Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Welcome to the Broken Minded Podcast. I'm Allie and uh, my co-host Ashley is here and we're going to get started on this episode. And I think um, just like last episode, this episode is going to be a little more geared towards us kind of sharing who we are with you. Aside from just whatever topic we're talking about, I'm getting a little more in-depth with some parts of us that you might not know about. Yeah. Lots of parts you might not know about. (laughs) You're going to know lots of parts whenever I'm done today. All right. So let me get started. Um, My name is Ashley and I am old. Just kidding. I feel old. I was thinking the other day about how old I was as I was talking to somebody and I always forget how old I am. Like, I, I think that I'm younger than I am. Like, I was talking about being sober for 17 years and I was like, God, sometimes I don't even feel like I'm 17 years old. You know, how can I be sober that long? But it is true. So, um, a little bit about me. I'm a true Floridian. I guess you call my me a uh, first generation Floridian because my family is not from Florida, but I was born here. And you can hear the accent. People always ask me, like, where are you from? You from Tennessee or South Carolina? No, I'm from Florida, but my family's from Kentucky. So I guess that's where it came from. So I was born and raised here in Florida. I'm living in uh, Lakeland, Florida, which is part of Polk County. Lots of people refer to it as Polk County, but um, it's not as country as it sounds. But I did grow up in the country. I grew up in part of Polk County that is pretty rural. I grew up in a very small town. There's not even a traffic light there. There's about three stop signs, two churches, and a part-time post office and a volunteer fire department. And I lived in that small town until I was 14. And... My life seemed like it was pretty normal, honestly. I was pretty close to all of my family, and we all lived very close to each other, literally next door to each other. When I was 11, that was the first time that I experienced a big trauma. My grandmother lived next door to me, and she was in a car accident and killed when I was 11. And her and my mom were very close. My mom was 34 when my grandmother died, and... I really honestly don't think my mom has ever been the same since she died. And everything went very fast after that. I felt like somebody pushed the like fast forward button on my life after my grandmother died because everything just kind of spiraled also after that. Pretty shortly after that, I started uh, experiencing abuse at the hands of my father, who uh, later I found out was, you know, using drugs at the time. I had some very um, early uh, exposure to drugs from him using drugs. I, I came home one day and he was asleep on the couch and there was pot all over the table. And somehow I figured out what it was. I know you said before, Allie, that you did like dare whenever you were growing up and I did too. So now when I think about it, I'm like, is that how I knew what pot was? I, I don't know, but I did. It started to become very evident that my dad was using something besides marijuana because he was doing a lot of really strange things and 
I just really didn't want to be around him anymore. I was afraid of him. I was home with him a lot because he worked shift work. So in the summers, I would be home with him a lot. And I was afraid of him. And, you know, that was a a deviation from how things were prior to me, you know, my grandmother dying because my dad was like my best friend. And when he started using and abusing me, you know, I, I just had no desire to be around him. When I was 14, I just kind of felt like I was at the end of my rope with him and I tried to commit suicide. I swallowed a whole bottle of pills and then got really freaked out whenever um, I started to feel weird. So I told my mom and that was my first uh, trip into an institution. You know, I was Baker acted and in the hospital for three days. And that was also my first time talking to a therapist. And after that, my mom divorced my dad and I didn't have to be around him anymore. And now I know what I did, but at the time I didn't realize it, but I just kind of took everything that had happened and, you know, shoved it as far down in my psyche as it could go and started doing everything that I could to distract myself from my my past. I was involved in everything that you can think of when I was in high school, every club you can think of. I was involved in a lot of extracurriculars. I was a cheerleader, just was really busy all the time. And now I've realized that it was, you know, just to distract myself. So I didn't have to think about, you know, what my life really was. I didn't start using any drugs or anything until I got to college, but I did dabble a little bit with alcohol when I was in high school. When I got to college, though, was really when things kind of, what's the word I want to use? It's like a pulled back the curtain, kind of. And it was like, you know, I got a lot of freedom. When you go to college, you know, I wasn't living at home with my mom anymore. I was living on campus. I had a job. And so I had some money. And I was managing by, you know, going to school sometimes, <laughs> going to work sometimes, and and using on the weekends. And eventually, you know, as I got closer to graduating, I was using a lot more. I honestly don't know how I graduated, but I did. And when I graduated, I was at the time I was working in a restaurant and I continued working there. And the restaurant industry is just like, I mean, <laughs> if there was ever a place that, you know, just kind of is the the jumping off point for addiction, it, it's definitely there. I know there are some other jobs, too, that I could probably say do the same thing, but it was just the perfect scenario for me. And pretty quickly, I was using every day. And like you said on, you know, the last episode, just participating in a lot of risky behaviors. I was 25 years old and I recognized that I had a drug problem. And I went to my mom and told her that I had a drug problem, but I was going to stop using. So I stopped using, but I was drinking now. And I stopped using drugs for about a month. 
And after a month, I started using drugs again. And for about the next six months, I was on a bender. I remember that I had been awake for five days. And when you don't sleep for five days, I mean, you're kind of out of your mind. And I didn't know how I was going to stop using. And I decided that I was going to try to kill myself again. And I had always told myself that I could not do that because it would, you know, devastate my mom. I'm an only child. And I just got to the point, you know, at that time that I was like, well, I really don't care. She's just going to have to learn to deal with me not being around. So I had a plan. I mean, all of the, you know, telltale signs of something, someone who is, you know, at risk for suicide, they, they have a plan. I mean, that was the number one thing that I had. Fortunately, I was not able to complete my plan. And shortly after that, I came to my mom again and told her that I needed to get some help. So I was very fortunate and was able to go to an inpatient rehabilitation center for two months. And that was my first real like understanding of anything about recovery. I didn't, I mean, I think everyone had probably heard of, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous before in their life because you saw it on a movie or, you know, you heard somebody talk about it. You knew somebody that, you know, their dad had, you know, gone to AA meetings, but I had never heard of anything else. And when I got out of treatment, I went back home to Lakeland and I needed to find a job. Um, I got a job and it was kind of a public facing job, <clears throat> but I was very, was very young. I mean, I was 26 at this point and very hesitant, just like you said, Allie, to tell people that I was in recovery. Someone found out at my job that I was in recovery and it did not go over so well with that employer. And I actually was terminated from that job. And that was my big kind of like slap in the face of stigma. You know, I asked you on the last episode, if you had ever experienced any of that. And I mean, I didn't even know. I mean, I'd, probably heard the word stigma before, but I didn't like know what it meant. Now, looking back at that situation, I'm like, that's totally what that was. You know, I was fully capable of doing the job that I was hired for, but it just never, I don't think it ever sat right with the company that I was working for that, you know, I was a former drug addict. And, you know, it was really all a big blessing in disguise because I went on to work for another company that I loved for about five years before I got married and moved to Tampa. So I got married in 2012 and I moved to Tampa and I actually went to work at the treatment center where I got sober. So I've been working there now for 11 years. And I thought about what you said on the last episode that, you know, you've been clean for 11 years and I know your sobriety date. I think it's, Two days after I started working at the treatment center. Really? Yeah. Because I started working at the... No, three days. I started working at the treatment center on June 11th. 
And your sobriety date is June 14th, right? 2012. Yeah. Oh, little. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's a little, you know, like that's a little God, a little God connection there. If you think about it, you know, like me being so involved in, I mean, when you work in a treatment center like that, you know, you're very involved in the recovery process. And, you know, that prepared me, I guess, for my meeting you and my relationship with you. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's my story and I'm definitely going to stick to it. Um, I remember feeling like you felt, though, like I didn't want people to know, you know, when I when I got out of treatment and I was working in Lakeland, there were some people that knew that I was in recovery. They knew that I went to meet support group meetings, but I didn't tell a lot of people. And when I moved to Tampa and started working at the treatment center, I just felt so much more free to be able to say that I'm in recovery. And that has been a very freeing process. You know, if I don't get anything else out of working in treatment, that's what I got is the ability to like speak my truth and be who I am and not have to hide that part of myself because it is a big part of me. I mean, it's literally all of my formative years were spent using drugs and alcohol to change the way that I felt. And now that I am an adult and have so many like big girl decisions to make. Like I'm so grateful that I'm not still using drugs and alcohol and that I'm, you know, clear minded to be able to make all of those decisions. I mean, you said it too, in your episode, like lots of cool things have happened in my life that I never would have been able to experience if I was still using. I mean, when I think back now to the way that I interacted with people when I was using there, the situation happened that I still have so much shame about and so much guilt. One of my sorority sisters was getting married and I was supposed to sing in her wedding. And I was using every day at this point, there was absolutely no way that I was going to be able to pull this off. I did not even wake up the day of her wedding until the wedding had already started. It was like a three o'clock wedding or something like that. One o'clock, something like that. And it was in Pinellas County. And I woke up at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I think if I remember correctly, the day before I had said to her, oh, I hadn't practiced. I'm not going to be able to sing in the wedding, like made up some bullshit, you know, and then the actual day of the wedding, like I was still going to go to the wedding, but I woke up so late, threw my dress on, you know, then I got there and I just was paralyzed and was like, I cannot even go into the wedding. By the time I got there, it was already like reception, you know, reception had been going on for like two hours at this point. And I made up some more bullshit and said like the scrap on my dress broke or something. I have so much guilt over that and so embarrassed and so ashamed. And years later, I saw her at another one of our uh, sorority sister's house. I think there was like a baby shower or something and she was there and I, you know, had to make amends to her because I had felt so horrible for so long. And she was one of my very, very good friends, you know, and 
that's just an example of the kind of shit that I'm glad that I don't do to people anymore, you know, because drugs and alcohol were so much more important that I couldn't even, you know, get out of bed to show up for one of my best friends on the most important day of her life, you know. And, and the other great thing is that my stepdaughter doesn't ever have to see that side of me. My stepdaughter's 12. I mean, I was sober long before she was born, but it's cool to have a relationship with her and just be myself, you know, and, and I don't ever have to hide anything from her and I can have conversations with her as she gets older about these things and share my experience with her. And I'm really grateful for that. So, yeah, that is me. You know, when you were talking about, it's like just now when you were talking about like your situation with the wedding and like how much shame that you felt, I feel like, you know, I, I hear it said a lot that we, it's not always the exact same situation, but the feelings can be the same. You know, we don't exactly go through. I mean, we do find a lot of people that share like very, very similar stories. But even if the stories are not the same, the feelings can be the same. And when you just said that, it just reminded me so much of why I love being in recovery and like having a recovery community, because you can tell me that story. And I'm here and I'm like, oh, girl, me too. And like, we can share things. And then we're not going to judge each other about that. You know, like we might feel ashamed, but like some somewhere deep down, we know that like, we don't have to feel ashamed because the other person is ashamed of us. Like, that's just something that we have, you know, and that's one of my favorite things about recovery is that I've been able to drop the shame you know, of all the things that I did. And like, those things don't have to hold me back. I mean, of course, they're still embarrassing sometimes to say like, yep, I really did do that, <laughs> you know, but um, like, they don't have to hold me back and keep me from reaching my potential anymore. I get to like process them and like move on and be better and just be grateful that I don't have to do stuff like that anymore. Yeah. And, you know, another cool thing that I thought about was, um, when I first got sober and I was going to support group meetings, you know, I would hear different people tell their stories. And I always kind of felt like, like, man, these people, like, they have wild stories. And, you know, I'm just this, like, you know, little girl from this little podunk town. And, you know, I used for a couple of years, but, you know, I've never been arrested. I've never had anything like super wild happen. So it didn't really feel like cool, I guess, you know. But now... Because of my story, I feel like I have been able to be a part of conversations that if I didn't have this story, I wouldn't be able to be a part of these conversations. And a lot of them have to do with what I do professionally. You know, I've been fortunate to be able to go to Tallahassee, which is our state capital twice. I've gone to Washington, D.C. once and advocate for people that have mental health issues and people that have addiction issues and talk to lawmakers and tell them my story and barriers and just all these different things that they have a say in and that they can make some change. And if I didn't have this story to tell, it just, it's not the same. Like I could go before them and, and talk to them about all these issues, but just like this level of passion too, you know, that I can bring to that. And gosh, I mean, it's like being a voice almost for, you know, 
people that, I mean, nobody's voiceless, but not everybody gets the opportunity to go to the state capitol or go to the nation's capital and, and talk to lawmakers. So that's, you know, kind of what my story has prepared me to do, I guess. Yeah. You know, I like that you said that because although I I don't do things like you do, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you do some really cool stuff like that. You know what I mean? That, you know, helping like advocate for, you know, addicts and people with mental health issues like at that level. But recovery in a similar way has like prepared me for life by like, I've like learned a lot of these little skills in recovery, um, like public speaking or like, you know, how to, you know, we get together and like we do things and we put on events and we, we really have to learn how to get along with each other or like, it's not going to work. So like I get these little life skills and these little people skills that I get to practice with my people in recovery. And then I get to take them out to the real world and really put them to use. So I just felt like that was kind of similar, even though, yeah. you know, if, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for, you know, my addiction issues, like, I don't know if I would ever get this awesome experience. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Very true. And, you know, the, the same thing can be said. I mean, you've heard it. I'm sure I've heard it so many times when people say, you know, everybody could probably use a program. And, and Allie and I have a program of recovery where we, you know, do some self-reflection and look at things that we've done in our past and um, make amends, you know, to people that we need to make amends to. And we work every day to not, you know, fall back into some of those behaviors and find any reason to use drugs and alcohol anymore. And that's a great thing, too, that we have. You know, not not everybody has that opportunity, but I feel like the majority of people do have problems that they would love to have a solution to. You know, we have a solution. You know, I can I can apply the, the solution, the tools that I've gotten from being in recovery. I can apply that to, you know, many other aspects of my life. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, when I went to college, I always uh, when I started college, I wanted to be in broadcast journalism. And for whatever reason, I decided not to do that. But, you know, now I just have a podcast. So <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to <laughs> All right. So enough of that. It's the last last part of this episode, too. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We, we're going to get back to our normal, you know, kind of what we do with a topic. I think we talked about maybe going to see Barbie. By the time these two episodes come out, it's going to be like Barbie's going to be old news. But I've heard from so many of my girlfriends and my guy friends that it's great. And there was a great message. So might be something that we do. Go see the movie together and then do an episode on it. Or, you know, there's so many other topics that we've been discussing that we can definitely come back with. But we wanted to get some content out there because it's been a little while since we've had an episode and we thought we would just tell you a little bit more about ourselves. Yeah. Anything else you want to say? No. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And you can also follow us on social media. We have a, a pretty active um, Instagram, Broken Minded Podcast. 
That's what it is, right? Yeah, broken minded podcasts. Yeah. yeah, we have an Instagram, we have a Facebook, but I would definitely say the Instagram is a little bit more active. And we'd appreciate it if you follow us. That'd be awesome. And keep listening. And thanks so much. 